Arizona, Arizona Sports. Sports, the local the sports, local sports, sports leader. leader, Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset, yeah. brought to you by Collins Comfort AC and Plumbing, proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals, 4 o'clock reset. <laughs> A brief edition of the 4 o'clock reset because we've got a big game to preview tonight between the Suns and the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's run through the quick headlines. Kaiser White, linebacker of the Philadelphia Eagles, signing a two-year deal worth $11 million with the Arizona Cardinals. Of course, he was coached by Jonathan Gannon and Nick Rawless last year when they were both with the Eagles. He comes here and he joins the linebacking core for Arizona. Yeah, I would imagine you know if they play a 4-3, lines up with Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons. There's a lot of needs on offensive line and, and and defensive line as well. They haven't addressed yet, but they get a player that obviously is familiar uh, with, with the head coach, Jonathan Gannon. Cardinals also announced a couple of other moves today. Most we knew, or at least one we knew about. They announced Kelvin Beecham's re-signing two-year deal. They have a two-year deal for kicker Matt Prater to return, a one-year deal for running back Corey Clement to return. You know, Clement the was the guy they picked up last year off the scrap heap. He's a Philly guy, too, so there's some connection there with Gannon. Suns got caught in the splash zone against the Warriors last night, 120 3-1-12. Clay Thompson was amazing, in particular in the first half of that game. They're back at it tonight on the second night of a back-to-back here at Footprint Center as they're hosting the Milwaukee Bucks. Pre-game at 6.30. Tip is at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it here on the Arizona Sports app and 98.7 FM. And that leads us to our guest here in the 4 o'clock reset to help us preview this game. He is the co-host of ESPN Milwaukee's morning show, co-host of the Jen, Gabe, and Chewy show. He's Gabe Neitzel, and he joins us on Burns and Gambo. Gabe, I'm Dave, this is Gambo. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Fantastic. Have we pulled you away from your computer and Aaron Rodgers talk long enough <laughs> to talk a little Milwaukee Bucks basketball with us? Is that all right? Oh man, this is such this is such a welcome reprieve from my day to day of trying to figure out. At least it's announced that he's going to be on the Pat McAfee show tomorrow, so I can stop refreshing. I know when the announcement is coming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is it is it is it to the fans there feel it's time for a change to let Jordan? love have his opportunity um I, I think some of it's sad but i think a lot of people are just sick of the drama year in and year out is he going to be gone is he going to be coming back and um you know there's there's a lot that comes with aaron Rodgers. i think the jets are starting to feel that diana rossini had the report of the wish list of players that uh, aaron Rodgers wanted for the jets to sign shockingly very similar to the list of players he wanted the packers to keep around last year mercedes lewis randall cobb ellen lazard guys of that nature so um i think a lot of people are just kind of tired and, and curious to see what Jordan Love can do behind him because when they've gotten, you know, the crunch time in the playoffs, the Packers haven't gotten it done, and now the drama just seems to be a little too much for the way that he played last year. All right, let, let's let's talk Bucks and Suns. And my first, my first question really is when the Suns made the trade for Kevin Durant, as, as the, with the Bucks being probably the favorites to win it all this year, how is it viewed in Milwaukee? Um, well, I mean, that became the team. I think that a lot of people kind of take a look at and um, you know, especially with then the addition after that, because then Jay Crowder goes away in that trade and the Bucks finally get Jay, the guy that had been targeting for so long and been rumored to be interested in for so long. Um, I, I think there'd be some excitement around that series, you know, getting another shot at the Suns, because the one thing it would be interesting, the, the Suns, at least from my perspective, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, but with that addition, I mean, they're, they're the, the, the top four that they have are just so good, so steady. 
but there's not a ton of depth behind that. Whereas the Bucks, I think the Bucks might be the deepest team in the NF in the NBA after they added Jay Crowder and the way Joe Ingles has been playing. So the depth of the Bucks, certainly to throw a number of different guys at Kevin Durant, should these two teams meet up in an NBA Finals? I think it would be a fascinating Finals to watch. Kind of the star power versus the depth of what the Bucks have. Yeah, and I think the other thing is you know Giannis's ability to cover KD, but I mean Drew Holiday, his defense on Devin Booker is always sensational. So I think you know with the length that they have, that they that's the one team that really matches up well. I think Boston does too, but you got to be able to defend the Suns, and Milwaukee has guys that can defend the Suns to key players. Well, and that's what the Bucks do. I mean, you know Giannis, and he had another forty plus point, ten rebound game last night against the Kings, but what this team does the best, what they've always tried to preach ever since they but Mike Budaholzer came to Milwaukee is defense. And they have guys that absolutely buy in on that side. You mentioned Drew Holiday, Jay Crowder being another one of those guys. Brooke Lopez is a defensive player of the year type candidate. Giannis is one defensive player of the year. And that hasn't even mentioned Wes Matthews, um, a veteran whose minutes have been limited. But it wouldn't shock me at all if the Bucks get into some series and they just start to start Wes as, as their two guard, like they did last year because they want a little bit more defense versus the offense that Grayson Allen gives them. The, the best thing that I think the Bucks have going for them, with that depth, they can play so many different ways. Oh, you want to go big? Okay, the Bucks can go big. They can play Giannis at the three, have Bobby Portis and Brooke Lopez. They can go small and have, Brooke, uh, and have uh, Giannis play the five. They can play so many different styles of basketball and kind of match up with just about anybody when they hit the postseason from a defensive perspective. Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee, the co-host of their morning show. He joins us here on the Burns and Gambo show as we're talking about the Bucks and the Suns coming up tonight. Gambo mentioned this number earlier today, and, and I, I would expect a lot of what you just said explains this. 132 total minutes together for Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Giannis so far this year. I have to imagine part of that speaks to the depth that you've been speaking on for the last couple of minutes. Is there another factor behind this team that has allowed them to do as well as they have with their big three, just not spending that much time together on the court? Yeah, I mean, 100%. It's where that depth comes from. And, and different guys stepping up at different times. And, I mean, Grayson Allen has really, I think he was challenged in the offseason after he had a good opening round against the Chicago Bulls last year. I mean, he was mostly a shooter. And he's done some more things where he can kind of create different shots where he is more comfortable attacking the rim. He's tried to get a little bit better defensively because I think that's one of the things he was challenged to do because to be on the playoff, to be on the court during the playoffs, you have to be better defensively. He was being picked on against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference semifinals last year. Joe Ingles has gotten healthy um, after they, you know, he was their big free agent acquisition during the offseason. They knew he wouldn't be able to join till midseason and they had a minutes restriction on him. Okay, so now he gets healthy. He's starting to play back-to-backs. Bobby Portis was out for a while. Now he's getting healthy. Um, so just the combination of those guys getting healthy plus the depth that they have, especially at the wing positions now uh, with the addition of Jay Crowder. Um, you know, you have Crowder, Pat Connaughton, Wesley Matthews, all coming off the bench, and then Chris uh, Middleton has been starting now. So it's going to be really interesting um, for Mike Budenholzer to try to figure out the best rotation for those guys down the stretch because they're certainly, depending upon matchups, they're certainly guys who are going to have their minutes drastically cut once we hit the postseason because, you know, Giannis and Drew and Chris and guys like that are just going to get more minutes. Jay missed about seven, eight months of basketball, just not playing as the sun sat him. Um, and now he's got 10 games under his belt. Is there still a feeling that he still has a ways to go, or do you feel like, okay, he's in his rhythm right now? No, I think he still has a ways to go. The Bucks have been really careful with him. 
Um, and they've kind of been careful with a lot of guys that have come back um, who have been dealing with injury or if, it, if they've been sitting out, whether it's Ben Wesley Matthews or Joe Ingles, as I just mentioned, Chris Middleton has had minutes restrictions mostly. And it's been the same thing with Jay Crowder. He's kind of been limited in minutes. We haven't seen him a ton in crunch time lineups yet for the Bucks. So I think there's still a little ways to go for Jay to kind of get his feet under him, understand what, you know, um, what, what's being asked of him on the offensive and defensive end. But I, I I think he's been able to gel with the guys right away pretty immediately because he was welcome here with open arms. And I think he was just ready to get going and get out there and play. But because he hadn't played in seven, eight months, they've been real careful because they don't want to ramp him up too quick, have him be injured and, and kind of miss out on the last handful of games of the regular season and then try to figure some of the stuff, stuff out when you're you know playing some teams in the playoffs. Last one for you, and I'll stick with the J topic then. Is there enough time in the regular season for them to get the fully formed version of Jay that they want for the playoffs? Do they think they can completely get everything they want out of him by the time the playoffs start? I think so. And I think the luxury of that is the Western Conference is just such, it's so deep, right? Like whoever ends up as that eight seed, who comes or comes out of that, they are going to give, um, you know, they're going to give the Nuggets a little bit of a test, whether that's, what you know, the Golden State Warriors, the Lakers. In the East, the East just isn't as deep. You take a look at the three teams at the top and the Bucks, Sixers, and Celtics. If the Bucks have the one seed, they won't have to worry about the other two teams until the conference finals, presumably. Um, but the bottom part of the conference is not as deep as the West. So even if they don't quite get everything that they want to figure out by the end of the regular season, yeah. I think those four or five games that they would end up playing in the opening round certainly would help in the progression of Jay, and he'll be ready, the, kind of the fully formed version that they were hoping for by the time he hit the Eastern Conference. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about it that way. Gabe, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on. And um, may enjoy enjoy it, the trade tomorrow of Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Enjoy the Pat McAfee show tomorrow when this all becomes official because the, your your nightmare is going to be over there in Green Bay. We, we appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Seriously can't wait. And then we can focus on the Bucks and, and hopefully a, a long playoff run for them. <laughs> Sounds good. Gabe Neitzel from ESPN Milwaukee. Our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show previewing the Bucks game tonight, which starts at 7 o'clock. You'll hear it here on Arizona Sports. Do want to remind you that we are here live from Footprint Center. Our coverage today is brought to you by FanDuel, and of course our coverage is also brought to you by Michelob Ultra. The Madness tips off this Thursday, and with it comes your chance to win over $3,000 worth of prizes in the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks. It's presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Ice Center. Text BUCKS to 620-620. Fill out your bracket and compete in the Madness. Text BUCKS to 620-620. The approach by the Cardinals in free agency, it's been frustrating. Is it the correct approach? That's coming up. Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. All right, back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. The Arizona Cardinals did make a move today in free agency. Actually made a few moves. A lot of them were kind of keeping their own guys. But for the first time in this free agent cycle, and the first time in a while, they went out and signed the free agent off of somebody else's roster to a multi-year deal. Kaiser White 
Two-year, $11 million deal with the Cardinals. Inside linebacker for the Philadelphia they Eagles. They signed a linebacker. They signed a linebacker. Yes. Got a linebacker. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? Uh, Cardinals got a linebacker. Oh, no, 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 no. See, the Cardinals used to draft linebackers. They never signed them. They would always well, they, draft them. They signed them, too. Well, they signed them, too. But Jordan off, Hicks, Nick off, Vigil. Off-the-ball linebackers? Oh, they like to draft them, too. They did, which is you know a whole other conversation. It's not... Look, it's a big signing in that it's a starter. There's no doubt he's a starter for the Arizona yeah, Cardinals. Yeah, he's a good player. He's a good, he's a good player. player. Yep. And they got him cheap. He's mm-hmm. not expensive. And I would expect to that this is going to be the norm for this offseason with how the Cardinals are going to sign players. Expect a lot of Kaiser Whites. Expect a lot of two-year, $11 million. Yeah, not a lot of money de- being yep. kicked down the road. Not a lot of opportunities to you know have dead cap money sitting on you because the guy doesn't work out. You know, you don't want to do those three-year Jordan Phillip type deals that end up burning you because the guy. So you sign a guy that you feel comfortable with. He knows the system. He knows Gannon. He knows Gannon's system. May come in here the ability to you know to run a defense. Like I mean, it it, I, it doesn't. It's not like it doesn't make sense. It's just man, we're just waiting for them to address the center need that they wow. so desperately have, and the offensive line and the defensive line. You lost Zach Allen. You don't have JJ Watt coming back. Rodney Hudson's not coming back. We don't know about Justin Pugh and. You, know, you just go on and on and on. It's like, okay, you got to fill a lot of holes right there. And your point is well taken. I mean, yeah, it's a linebacker. And, and there, if you look at our depth chart right now for the Cardinals, I mean, it's just nothing but question marks, right? We, we did this with the defensive line yesterday with Zach Allen. You look at it like, who's on their defensive line? Lucky Fotu? I know. Rashard Lawrence? I know. Yep. Jonathan Ledbetter? I, I mean, that's probably their starting defensive line right now, or at least three of them. It's, it's obviously incomplete, and you would think you would have thought the Cardinals would have started there in the trenches as opposed to a linebacker, but given his connection, given the price, it's fine. There was, and then the other news that came down today, I just wanted to complete the sentence here. They announced that they've re-signed Kelvin Beecham two-year deal. We knew this yesterday. They announced today they re-signed kicker Matt Prater to a two-year deal, and then they re-signed running back Corey Clement to a one-year deal. I like this story from Kyle Odegaard. Used to work for the Arizona Cardinals, and now he writes on his own for compare.bet. The Cardinals are taking the prudent path in free agency, but it's painful. And basically the story is how big of a screwed up mess this roster has been the last couple of years and how it's going to take Monty Austin for it a while, maybe longer than some of us think, to kind of undo the mess that is the roster. It's not particularly Look, deep. It's not particularly talent-filled. Yeah. It's kind of a mess right now. Are we not seeing Bill Armstrong do the same thing with the Yotes? Yes. I mean, he got in and the roster was a mess. He had a lot of overpriced guys who couldn't play. Just terrible ho- hockey players. And he got rid of them. I mean, he got rid of those guys. And he got off of some really bad contracts. And he made some trades and got assets. And, yeah, I mean, the long the long road is a painful one. It's definitely true. Because, you know, you watch the 49ers go spend $84 million on the guy. Or Seattle spend $54 million. That's not where the Cardinals are right now. They shouldn't be in a position to go get that. They need to get stopgap guys until they can, you know. Now, if they can get a young guy, that's fine. But in the meantime, it's stopgap guys. 
place until they can draft players that fill their needs and 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 address the problems on this on this roster. So I think a lot of the guys they're going to sign the guys that look we need guys that just plug holes right now. Um, if you could get a young guy that's twenty five or twenty six and could be here for a number of years, that I mean that's fine, that's sure. good. But I don't know they're looking for those guys that are going to cost fifty million dollars to fill that hole because again you'd rather spend your money on a lot of a lot of other areas. And then again, if you can trade. If you trade the pick and you get extra assets, if you trade Hopkins and you get extra assets, your goal this year, more importantly, is to kill the draft. You just got to knock it out of the park. You've got to really nail this draft because you've got picks. You know, you've got good picks. You're picking early in the first round, early in the second round. You got the what? The three compens- uh, compensatory picks? Uh, yep, yep. Compensatory picks? Yep. So you got three extra picks there. If you trade Hopkins, like, there's a lot that's going to be. A, a, a lot. A lot of the effort's going to be on the draft, as it should be. I mean, we've heard um, that Dave Sears, the assistant GM over there, has has really already put his stamp on the draft and the draft prep. And I would imagine a lot of what he finds out and what they find out collectively will kind of dictate what they do in the draft. Look, I, I, I think, I think any Cardinals fans right now who are thinking that the that the mission should be trying to win and making this team better for next year, I think they're fooling themselves. I don't think there's many of them. And I don't think there are either. I don't think there's many of them that can say, oh, yeah, you're just a player or two away. and Anything can happen in any given year in the NFL. No, not, but, not for this team. But, you know, I would have said that. And then remember a conversation you and I had about DeAndre Hopkins a couple weeks ago. And Eric and Mitch took that conversation. And they took about two minutes of it. And they posted it on Twitter. And it was basically you and I both saying they need to trade DeAndre Hopkins. They need to move off DeAndre Hopkins. They need to get a draft pick. You saw the feedback. So did I. Yeah, was, I know it's Twitter. And I, you know, I don't want to give it too much power. But you, it was overwhelming. There were people who were like, what are you two talking about? They shouldn't trade DeAndre Hopkins. He's our best player. Are you kidding? That's crazy. That's nuts. That faction of fans doesn't see the bigger picture. Doesn't, you doesn't know, all see they the see picture. is D-Hop is one of our best players. Why on earth would we want to get rid of because, him? Because, Kyla, because you're not ready to win. So why would you Why would you pay that exorbitant salary for a guy when your team's not going to win? One, you don't have Two, you don't have Kyla Murray. And very unlikely to have Kyla Murray for the start of the season. So, And then three, I mean, well, while the value is high for DeAndre Hopkins, try to get a younger player that could fit into the future for them. So it yeah. makes a lot of sense to trade. I, I, the question I have, if we can mostly agree, and I know you and I can, but if our audience can mostly agree, that this is the prudent path, as Kyle says. It's painful, but it's prudent. I think the big question I have is, if not now, when? You mentioned the Coyotes. Okay, we all know that's a long rebuild, right? In, in, I mean, I'll never forget the comment that Armstrong gave us on how long it was. I was floored. Uh, say like six, seven years yes. to truly, to truly rebuild. Yes. Okay. It's way different in the NFL. Way different. Yeah. It's two to three. It's faster. It's it's it's, it's not one. It's probably three. Probably yeah. three. You can be a team that misses out on the playoffs one year and makes it the next. That happens all the time in the NFL. You mm-hmm. you, you that that's commonplace. But to I think the Cardinals are in a deeper hole than most. And I think the way out of that hole is going to take a little bit longer. I I had assumed that this would be a one-year rebuild for the Cardinals and that by this time next year, the cap would have been mostly fixed. They they kind of hit their reset, got rid of a bunch of that dead money. Hopefully they hit on the draft a little bit. Then they could go into that offseason with some money to spend with the idea of competing. Are we worried with the Cardinals that we're looking at a two-year rebuild and not a one? Like I'll give you this season. I'll give you that this season needs to be sacrificed in the name of the rebuild. I'm all for that. Are we talking about two seasons before we can really get things back on track around here? Is it that bad? Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
Two who's, years. Who's your best offensive lineman right now? Your best offensive lineman right you now is no DJ Humphreys, I guess. Who's right? your best defensive lineman? Huh. Who's your best cornerback? Byron yeah. Murphy's a free agent right now. I know he was on a right. team. That's the, this just. It, it, I'll never forget Denny Green's three drafts in a row where they killed it. Knocked it out of the park. Three drafts in a row, the Arizona Cardinals got really good players. Really good players, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Um, and then after that, they were really good. So if you go with the the eight, look, most general managers will tell you the draft is still a lot more important than free agency. Free agency is useful. It's useful. You can plug holes. You can address some areas. Or if you're a player away, you can get. But the key is the draft. So to sit here with the Cardinals having how many players, how many players 25 or under did they have in the top 100 this year? None. 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 How can anybody say that this, this team's a year away? Yeah. I mean, it's unrealistic. No, I know. It's unreal. You're right. I just, it's just in the NFL because it's such a shorter process than it is in just about any other sport. That's really the only reason why I was thinking maybe a year from now they could be in a position to, to start to get back to competing again. In the NFL, a two-year rebuild is pretty rare. Usually it only takes about a year or two to really kind of get your things in motion. But this one might be so deep and so problematic. Yeah. It could truly take I'd two. bet a car payment they're not going to be in the playoffs in the next two years. And they shouldn't be. They need to build it the right way. Younger players, yeah. draft picks over the next couple of years, nail the draft picks and try to build the right way. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, the first day of NFL's free agency was a flurry. Day two, it's quieted down a little bit. But if we're looking for big overall takeaways from free agency this year across the league, what are we noticing? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo show. And Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Sunday presented by Michelob Ultra. We are live inside Footprint Center, and our coverage today is brought to you by FanDuel. We're going to be on the air with you till 6:30 tonight. Bonus Burns and Gambo with the seven o'clock start against the Milwaukee Bucks. Come on down, say hi. We look forward to seeing you. In the meantime, let's send it back to the studios there and get an update on our Twitter poll question of the day with Zach. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update presented by Sanderson Ford. It was a blowout two hours ago. Is it still a blowout now, Zach? Well, right now, it, again, our question is in the exact moment in time, which team has more concern or has you more concerned for its immediate future, the Phoenix Suns or Cardinals? And like you guys said earlier, you said the Cardinals, and most of our audience is agreeing with you. Seventy-six percent still going with Arizona. The Phoenix Suns, twenty-four percent. Which is funny, the way the question is phrased. If you really think about it, what is the immediate future for the Arizona Cardinals? It's not like we're bullish on it. It's not like it's not like you know. Am I concerned about the immediate future of the Arizona Cardinals? Actually, I'm not in a way because I don't think there is much of an immediate future for the Cards. You know, what I, you understand? You know, you see where I'm going there? Yeah, like, uh, yeah. I'm expecting things to be pretty bleak for the Cardinals this year. So I, I guess in a way, I'm not that concerned about their future because I don't think I think this year is going to be a rebuild year for them. Whereas the Suns. They got to get Kevin Durant back. They got to hope that there's some runway leading into the postseason to get everybody back and everybody playing together so it's not all fresh and brand new when the playoffs start. Um, I guess if you look at the question that way, you could argue that the Suns deserve more immediate concern because we, we're not expecting anything. No, expectations are higher. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Expectations are higher. Like, I think right now it's just NBA finals are bust, you know, for the Suns. For the Cardinals, yeah, we, we totally expect that 
that they're going to be right back into with a top five pick again next year. Potentially, yeah. I guess it just depends on how you look at the state of things and how you look at the Suns and the Cardinals. But you can find that poll question on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word on Twitter is where you can find it. Day one of free agency was yesterday. Day two today. Uh, of course, we're all waiting on Aaron Rodgers. There have been other deals, certainly, that have come down today. James Bradbury staying with the Philadelphia Eagles among them. There have been a few of Alan Lazard going to the Jets on a four-year, $44 million. He's seen as a guy that Aaron Rodgers basically demanded the Jets go get before he goes there. So we'll see if that means Rodgers is headed there. I mean, it has to. It has to. I think Rodgers, and, and he's on that, that show tomorrow, that show that he goes on. The, Pat uh, McAfee show. Yeah, so he'll make the, you know, I, I, people are expecting he'll make the announcement tomorrow. Yeah, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, Darren Waller goes from the Raiders to the New York Giants, so they get a big-time tight end if he's healthy for Daniel Jones. Sure, he's really good when he's healthy. Yeah, there, there are other moves. But looking back on the first day yesterday, that included Zach Allen going to the Denver Broncos, by the way. NFL.com, the five biggest takeaways from the early moves of free agency. I'm going to start with takeaway number one because it really kind of impacts what happened here. Our loss is their gain. Sean Payton is trying to make a power move in the AFC West. Yeah, and he would have done the same thing he was here, but I just don't think that the Cardinals had one. I don't believe they had the money to sign Payton, and I don't think they had the money to pay for the staff that he would have required. And then, you know, to go out there and spend, listen, it's this difference between cap money and then real money that's spent. And the Denver Broncos are going to spend some real money. Yes, I mean, look, look look at what they did. Look at that McGlinchey signing and then Zach Allen. I mean, they're being very aggressive, and I don't know that, I, I mean, I... You know, again, it's 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 not a fault, but not every owner is the same financially. I just don't think the Cardinals would have been able to do what the Broncos are doing right no, now. No, I mean, they went out and got Mike McGlinchey. They went out and got Ben Powers. They spent a fortune to upgrade their offensive line to help Russell Wilson out. They went out and got Zach Allen, gave him $15, $16 million per year deal. They're, they're spending. Yeah, $32.5 guaranteed. $32.5 I mean, That's a lot of money. It's mm-hmm. a lot of money. It's a lot of money. And, you, and look, we've been saying it for a while. Anybody who follows the NFL closely, knows the salary cap it's a very loose guideline from which to work teams and owners with money and the willingness to spend that money can circumvent the cap and figure out ways and manipulate it and work around it you just gotta be willing to do it you gotta be willing to spend the money and to potentially eat that money somewhere down the road in the name of going for it now the broncos owners are committed they're some of the richest owners in the nfl the walmart people for goodness sakes they, they've got the yeah. cash they want to go for it which is why the Sean Payton hiring there always made the most sense for them to do it. I'm going to skip ahead to number five on this list because I think this secondarily impacts the Cardinals. Every quarterback on the 49ers schedule should be concerned about the San Francisco 49ers defense. That was one of the big takeaways from yesterday with the signing of Javon Hargrave. Yeah, I, I that defense is great, right? That defense is physical. They get after it. I mean, that's how they one. I mean, they they were able to win using three different quarterbacks because they had a great defense, and obviously the McCaffrey trade ended up being great for them. But they have they have a lot of weapons on offense. You know, Brandon Ayuk was good. Debo Samuel is amazing. Christian McCaffrey. They've got a great tight end. Like, there's a lot of things to like about their offense. But that team is built defensively, and they just go out and get themselves one of the best defensive tackles. The guy had what 11, 11 and a half sacks last year. 
just makes him even more dangerous. Totally agree with yeah, that. Now, the, the big question for them will be the quarterback question, and that's that's one of those, did we learn enough about San Francisco last year to know, not that it doesn't matter who their quarterback is, but that they're so strong everywhere else that they can live with a subpar quarterback? They can live with somebody who's good, not great? I, uh, it's, it's happened It's ha- it's happened before. You always say, you always say over the course of three playoff games, like you're going to need a quarterback to make plays for you. So I, like, I still believe in that. But there's no question that a defense, a great defense and a really good running game can carry you a long way. And it can carry you. And it can make a, it, it can give a mediocre quarterback an opportunity to be successful. Mm-hmm. Because they're not, you don't, you're not asking a guy to go score you 35 points because the defense is holding teams down. And you've got a running game that could bail you out on all of those short yardage situations. So you don't have to make a lot of plays. So I don't think a, and, and that gets into the game manager. Like if you, I'm, if you've got a great defense and a great running game, your quarterback can't be a guy that takes a lot of gambles or makes a lot of mistakes. He's got to be a game manager. He's got to be able to move the ball up and down the field, make a couple of k- throws occasionally, but just don't turn it over. Speaking of that, another takeaway from the early moves in free agency had to do about the Raiders, and in particular, basically the trade-off they made at quarterback. Derek Carr out, Jimmy Garoppolo in. Saves themselves a lot of money. And not pursuing Aaron Rodgers, too, which also saved them a lot of money because that would have been very expensive. They're getting praise for going with Jimmy G and casting away from Derek Carr. I, everybody likes Jimmy G. He, he's a he's a good quarterback. He's just the health thing is a major concern because he misses so much time. But you can't deny his record as a starter. You can't deny the fact that he's taken a team to the Super Bowl. His touchdown interception ratio, his completion percentage. I mean, all enough. You like if you look at the numbers and you don't say Jimmy Garoppolo, you're like this is a good quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like don't put Jimmy Garoppolo's name there and just show all the numbers. You're like this guy's really good. But because of the injury history, people always have their their doubts about about him. I I like Jimmy G. I, 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 I but I I think there is a limit. How I say that? And he almost took a team. He did take a team to a Super Bowl. He did. Um, I think it's a good move for them. I I, I just think he's going to get hurt. You know, he's just one of those players where on the surface you look at and go, he's good. He wins games. He gives you a chance. And there's always that injury. There's always that thing. There's four always the five, that something with him. Four out of the last five years, he hasn't been able to, you know, he's missed games. He's only once since he played a full season. He misses games. He just, he, he does get hurt. Yeah. Um, but I think it's worth the gamble for the Raiders. I mean, you swap it out car for Garoppolo. In the meantime, I think you still got to, like, if you're them, you still probably got to look to see if there's a way to strike uh, in the draft somewhere and get a guy who could be a franchise quarterback in case Garoppolo doesn't work out. All right, this news just in okay. uh, from, and it has nothing to do with what we were talking about, but I do want to pass it along because I think it impacts people. This is from John Orend from the Sports Business Journal. It is official. Diamond has filed for bankruptcy protection. Diamond is the group Ooh. that owns the Bally Sports yes. Regional Networks. There's the belief that Major League Baseball will be broadcast in the Diamondback games. Streaming them yes. on some website their website, right? If if the bankruptcy somehow forces Bally Sports not to be able to televise Diamondbacks games early on, there is some belief that Major League Baseball will step in almost immediately as long as they're allowed to do that and stream the games so that that content can be delivered to fans who want to watch Diamondbacks baseball. I, I, I know that this is of particular interest locally because it felt like the Diamondbacks could be impacted earlier than other teams around Major League Baseball with this story. Yeah, it's it is it is going to be interesting because I do, I do think I saw.
saw it yesterday. It might be like five or six teams that MLB is going to have to broadcast their games. Yep. And, and the D-backs were one. were one of them. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's kind of what the fear was on that one. Do want to remind everybody that we got the Burns and Gambo Show podcast. You can subscribe right now on your iPhone or your Android. You will never miss any of our show. The Burns and Gambo Show brought to you by Carol Royce, your home sold guaranteed realty. Get a higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. They were nearly drowned before halftime by the Splash Brothers, but the Suns were able to show a little fight in the third quarter. Before we look ahead to Milwaukee, we look back at Golden State next on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo, live at Footprint Center on Sunday. Presented by Michelob Ultra. That's us, and we are here from Footprint Center. Our coverage today is brought to you by Michelob Ultra as we are inside Footprint Center. Also brought to you by FanDuel today as well, where the Suns tonight taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, we'll look ahead to the Bucks game. They're also on the second night of a back-to-back, just like the Phoenix Suns are. But we got to talk about that Warriors game last night because it was, it was one of those that looked like you had every reason to turn it off early and start watching whatever else you wanted to. World Baseball Classic, whatever your whatever your heart desired. Then in that third quarter, thanks to Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Stephen Clay both kind of getting cold. Remarkably, a game that looked like it was over at halftime. Yeah, they were down by 17. was remarkably a three-point game with about four and a half minutes to go in yeah, the third quarter. Yeah, DA had a three-point play. He scored off a dunk from Akoji. Akoji hit a three-pointer. And all of a sudden, Chris Paul hits a free throw with four and a half minutes left. And the Suns are down 85-82. After Poole hit a layup, Akoji had a putback on a book miss. It's 87-84, three minutes and 58 seconds left. That's a three-point game. But I mean, you said it right earlier. They exerted so much energy to get back in that game that they just ran out of gas. I mean, you, you, you find yourself in a hole like that. If you do climb back, it's, it's hard. It's hard to get over the hump because, you know, you just exert so much energy defensively to try to get back in the game. And right after that, you, you know, before you blinked, it was a nice little run by the Warriors, and they got up uh, 98-80. So they basically went on like an 11-2 run right after the Suns had cut it to three to kind of put the game away. At that point, they had put the game away. I watched in the fourth quarter just to see if the Suns could come back a little bit. But, you know, Clay got going. He had a nice little three-point play, and Poole hit a three-pointer. And they were not able to make a run in the fourth quarter. They exerted all that energy to get back in it in the third. And then they they kind of fell apart with about four minutes left in the third quarter. Poole was big in the fourth quarter for them. I mean, it was Clay and Steph in the first half, and then everybody got cold in the third quarter. Jordan Poole was really good in the fourth last night. And and there there have just been these kind of recurring problems for the Suns that I think we just need to talk about a little bit. And and we've talked about the bench, and we've talked about guys not... We talked about the defense. But last night, another problem was that if it wasn't Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton, there was no help out there. I mean, there was... No. no, I mean... Corey Craig looked like he was deliberately passing up shots. Like he didn't want He's to shoot the basketball. He's afraid to take the shot. I totally saw that, you too. You saw that, too? Yeah. Like he just he wide didn't open, want didn't want to do anything to do with taking a shot.
shot last night. Okogie is always going to be hit or miss. And then there's Chris Paul, who, you know, it's, it's, it's what you've always said about players when they reach a certain age. Are they capable of reaching the highest of their highs? Yes. But can they stay there for prolonged no. periods? Not at that age. And I, I, we're seeing that with Chris. It was a very blah game out of Chris Paul Chris has turned night. into just that. He's turned into that player that every once in a while can have a really good game, but he can't do it consistently. You know, it might be one out of every five games. And as you get older, you'll see glimpses of greatness from guys like Chris. Like Chris, most he'll show you glimpses of greatness where he just has a but he can't do it regularly like he did when he was younger. The other problem, too, is, man, they got outscored by 45 points from three. Yeah. By 45. Like, they're not a good three-point shooting team. And you do wonder if that could bury them in the playoffs when you got to hit some threes. They're a mid-range shooting team. The Suns made four three-pointers last night. Four. Golden State outscored them by 45 for three-point range. Now, you know that that's a three-point shooting team. But you're not expecting a disparity like that. I mean, well, to the point where what happens even, when you only make four. You would even ask me the question via email, are, are we really starting to see the loss of Cam Johnson? Is that really starting to kind of manifest itself in how they've played? Because it does seem like the three-point shooting has been spotty, yeah, to say the is. least. I mean, it is. They excel in the mid-range. Paul, KD, Book, it's a mid-range shooting team. And Damian Lee's not shooting the ball right now. He was a good three-point shooter for them. You're not getting a lot out of the bench. It is. You just wonder. Some teams live and die with the three. I'd rather to not live and die with the three, but there are times when, you know, when a team's knocking them down, you got to be able to match that a little bit. And the Suns needed to make more three-pointers last night, and they weren't able to do it. I mean, four a total in the game. I mean, they're just, the Suns are not a good three-point shooting team. And, you know, well, can it bury you for an entire playoff series? Probably not, but it could bury you in a game or two. So that's the thing. You know, if a team knocks down a bunch and you're not, you're not hitting, and again, the Suns struggle in that area. Chris is struggling, and the bench guys are struggling. And yeah, there are times you feel like, oh man, I really they really miss Cam. There are other times like, oh, they really miss Mikhail. You know, watching a Kogi last night was both. <laughs> you you watch <laughs> last night was both. Clay Thompson backed down a Kogi on one play, scored, and then went with the he's too small. Put his hand down yeah. low. He's too small. You know, you can't do that to Mikhail. Like a Kogi. Okogie's a good defender. He's not Mikhail. He doesn't have the length of Mikhail to be able to defend the way Mikhail does. He's a willing defender. He's a good on-the-ball defender. You like him. But, again, it's, he's not anywhere near the level of Mikhail Bridges. It, it, it really just kind of occurred to me that when you're talking about the changes the Suns have made, the, the, the big trade, Kevin Durant, that when you're without Kevin Durant, what, what made Cam and Mikhail so great, okay, Mikhail was a better defender, but he was still a very good offensive player. Cam was a better offensive player, but he was still a willing defender and could defend decently. It seems like in trading those two guys, the Suns have given up a couple of guys who can do both pretty well for you. Right now, the Suns are in a position where they don't have guys who can do both very well, right? They've got offensive guys who don't defend and defensive guys who it's hard to count on them being great shooters out there. They don't have that perfect hybrid of a guy who plays really good defense and also shoots the basketball pretty well. They had that in Mikel, they had that in Cam, but right now it feels like when Monty
he's putting guys out there who can defend, you question whether they can shoot. When he puts guys out there who shoot, you question whether they can defend. And it's left him in this rough spot of trying to figure out who gets minutes and how you can win games because sometimes you're just left with a hole out there one way or another, either offensively or defensively. Yeah, no, that's why you see the way he substitutes in the final two minutes of a basketball game for defense and for offense. Depending on who's on the court, he'll take a couple of guys out. He'll get Ross on for offense, but then he'll get him off for defense. He'll get Craig yeah. on there. Like He'll do what he has to do to get the substitutions in to give him a better defensive lineup. But you're exactly right that there are definitely T.J. Warren, not a good defensive player. Ross, not a good defensive player. Torrey Craig, not not a good uh, offensive player. Like you do get into a, to a problem where you don't have the you know you don't have enough guys that are good on both ends. Like yeah, they have. it's it's just it's like the the versatility of those guys. And, and look, I, I I still don't regret the trade. I don't regret it for one minute. I think this will all be fine when Kevin Durant comes back. But in the interim, you're seeing how in some ways how limited this roster is now with guys who you have to pick and choose. You have to decide: do we want to be an offensive team? Do we want to be a defensive team? Because all of those players, in one way or another, are a liability when they're out there. It's, a, it's an offensive team. I mean, they will be when KD comes back. It's an offensive team. Yeah. If they win in the playoffs, it's going to be because of their offense. I, I would agree with that. But in the, but between then and now, how what's their identity? Who are they going to be? Ooh, right. Okay, like yeah. over the next two or three weeks, are they going to win games because of their defense? If so, then you're going to have to live and die with the Okogies and the Tory Craigs of the world and the Ish Wainwrights of the world and their spotty shooing. If you think you're going to be an offensive team, then you're going to have to put Terrence Ross and T.J. Warren out there and live with the defensive mistakes they're going to make. That doesn't seem to be an in-between option for money I think, right now. I, I think they're going to beat the bad teams and are going to lose to the good teams unless Devin Booker goes off and plays extremely well. Uh, and then you'll get that he, rare occasional Chris Paul game, but just not enough of it. And he even played well last night. Devin Booker, what, 20? Not defensively. He not didn't. defensively, he, he did. He was, but, he was not good defensively. You no, know, he wasn't good. He, he had a typical Devin Booker offensive night. But you're right. Defensively, he wasn't good last night, and he needs to be better, too. It, it's just, if it almost feels like they, too, they being the Suns, are suffering from the loss of Kevin Durant. Like, we were all heartbroken when it happened. They're playing like they were heartbroken about it too. Does that make any sense? You know, it looks like they're trying to struggle with their identity and who they are and maybe even they're thinking of it the way we are. Like, hey look, we all know we're going to get them back and we all know the playoffs are the only thing that matters. This game this game tonight against the Golden State Warriors doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. This game tonight doesn't and, matter. And this game tonight doesn't, doesn't really matter. matter as long as they don't fall no. too far to the play-in line, right? I, I did just hear that all the Suns players are available except for KD and, and Durant. Okay. Um, um, that's you know, outside of KD and that. I mean, outside of KD and KD Landry. Because Landry, Landry. Right. Uh, I did ask if everyone available, and I uh, was told as far as I know. So, it, it, uh, you know, they should have they should have all their guys available for tonight's game. So that would mean, you know, no rest for Buck or Paul or anybody like that. They'll try to win this game. So from what I'm hearing, everybody's available. When we come back, well, first of all, let me remind everybody, you can text the word VALLEY to 620-620. Become a Suns insider. Get all the latest and breaking news on the Suns and their quest for an NBA championship. Again, Valley to 620-620. We can put the past behind us. We can look ahead to a Milwaukee team that's 20-2 and two in the last two months they've played basketball. Another tough one on tap. We'll preview it next on Burns and Gambo.